Welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics, or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. And I believe silence will enrich you too. Each week, every woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realise that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guests are in the field of engineering. Hi. Hello. Hello. (laughs) So good to have you here. Wow. It's, I'm so excited. There's so many of you. (laughs) We're Um, probably more excited. (laughs) Yeah. It's amazing that we meet because you're from far away and you're in my home city. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're all so enthusiastic about engineering. (laughs) We try. (laughs) Where did it start? this enthusiasm? That's a good question. I think for me personally, I didn't really think of myself as an engineer type or someone that I wanted to go, that wanted to go into engineering, but I knew I liked to solve problems and apply theoretical skills to like a very real application. And when I was in high school, I realized that that's kind of what engineering is. So that's what I decided to study, but it wasn't like something that I knew my whole life I wanted to do. And I think that's something we'll probably discuss later, but I didn't see myself in this field or see people like me and doing things in this field. So it was unclear for me when I like kind of stepped into the void of right. what engineering would be. So, yeah. I mean, was there a time when you figured out what engineering is? Because sometimes you say the word engineering and people are like, they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I think I'm personally still figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm in my last year of school. We all are pretty much. Um, So I think I'm still figuring it out. It's like, we've talked about this together. It's some of those moments when you're in those really hard classes and those really hard labs when you finally have that identity of like, I feel like an engineer right now. Mm -hmm. But that's not all the time for me. It comes in spurts and like sparks of these moments where I do feel like my identity is finally of an engineer. But I think I'm still figuring out what engineering is. Right. How about you? Um, I guess maybe to go back to that background question, um, similar to you know, my friend, my peer, <laughs> I really struggled at first with um, deciding to become an engineer. Even I thought I should go into like marketing or something like that because that's what I saw in media. That's what powerful females did. Like they were in business or in marketing or something like that. I even in my senior year of high school took uh, marketing class at the local city college to see if I liked it. I hated it. It was not at all for me at all. I thought it was so dumb and I loved math and science and physics my whole life. I did math with my dad for fun. Like I really, really, if you looked at me objectively would be like, that girl should be an engineer. And I was just so incredibly resistant to it. Um, and it took, Why? I was actually, it w- I don't know because I, and I, w- and my dad would tell me that like, 
like he would never tell me what I should do, but he would be like, maybe you should think about engineering. Maybe you should think about engineering. And I was like, dad, like, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Like we didn't grow up like I didn't, I'm a mechanical engineering major. I didn't grow up working on cars with my dad. Um, and I didn't, I, I, I had a very strong idea of what it meant to be an engineer and I didn't think that that was me because I also loved art and I loved talking to people and I loved being creative and to me those were dissimilar, those were mutually exclusive, being an engineer and having that, in that interest. Um, and I, it, it took a long time for me to realize how completely wrong that was um, and that, you know, that I, that I had some wrong opinions that I, yeah. you know, I, there was a lot, a lot I had to kind of work through there. It's kind of fascinating that <laughs> the stereotype of uh, the typical engineer is almost what put you off. Exactly. Doing something that you're naturally good at. It is exactly that. It is exactly that I just didn't have a single person that I could look to and think, oh, I, I look like that, or I could be that, or I could do that. Everyone in engineering fields that I was looking to and I was seeing felt so, so dissimilar from myself mm. and how I viewed myself. Yeah. Um, it took actually, I remember I was in an engineering program even in high school, which I loved with my whole heart and I was there after school every day and I, I loved it and I was turning down a hex axle on a lathe, um, so like bringing down the radius of it and I was talking to my engineering director and he was saying, Sienna, so like, what do you think you might want to study? And I, I told him I, I was now kind of maybe considering mechanical engineering, but I just, I wasn't one of those guys. Um, and he said, Sienna, look at what you're doing right now. You're machining apart right now as you're telling me you're not one of those mechanical engineering guys. Like, stop, like, put away those like disillusions. Yeah. Like, absolutely you can do it if it's something that you want to do. That's awesome. Um, I'm actually glad I'm going next because one of the reasons I went into engineering is because I was an artistic person, mm. um, but I also arguably came in with the most misunderstanding of what this field <laughs> offered for me, <laughs> um, knowing what we know now. Um, so I grew up in Florida. I don't think that gets too much away. We can call me the Floridian one. That's embarrassing. <laughs> um, so I grew up in Florida. We are immigrants from Brazil. I also think that's a common story. I just think it too much away. Um, and I remember what they used to ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up. I used to say Bob the Builder, which I don't know if this is a show in the UK, but at least in yeah. the US, yes, we yeah, it's it. that show where you know the Bob he has all these <laughs> these construction <laughs> machine friends, and they build houses. And I remember I loved that show so much, and I loved building Legos, and I loved painting on my mom's face. She literally let me paint all over her face. <laughs> so I, I've always been a creative person. And I've always liked building things, and I would fantasize about building things. Like, I still remember in, like, preschool, like, before we even start formal education, having this, con like, recurring dream of building this miniature pirate ship. And I fixated on the fact that in one of the pirate ships, there would be a little treasure chest. And instead of real treasure, because it was miniature, it would be like crushed shells. And that would represent the coins. I don't know, I'm going way back here. <laughs> but basically, I always have like fantasies of creating things and building things. And at some point, they were like, oh, you're good at math. And you're artsy, so architecture. And I wanted to be like Saha Hadid or Tatawan Do. So I did a camp. Um, in high school over the summer and I realized I'm a terrible architect. I just don't have a knack for it. It's like those two things combined does not make architecture. It's just, it's so, 
Well, there's more and to it, right? Do than... you think that, that if you're good at math and creative, that you should go into architecture? People think like uh, careers are these weird little simple it's equations. Yeah, yeah, these little equations. Blue plus red makes purple. And it's like, no, there's so much that goes into that. And there's such a vision that goes into architecture, for example. So that was right uh, right after that. I was all of a sudden, it was my last year of high school. And then I was like, oh, I'm creative and I'm good at school. Engineering. <laughs> and I was like, mechanical is really broad. And we make things. Truly, truly, truly. That is why I entered into mechanical engineering and why I stuck with it for so long. And then I realized, perchance, it was not for me in the way that it was taught uh, currently at our school, at any school really. So it's been quite a journey in engineering for me because I still believe in it. Because I still believe at its core it is what I thought it was. It is just knowing how things work, how things work, and then creating new things with that knowledge. Um, however, I definitely struggled a lot because the inherent talents that you're supposed to have when going into mechanical engineering, I never had. Like I, I told you yesterday, I'm like terrible at physics, but I want to be good at it. And it, it, it sometimes it excites me and I, and I and it connects, but then that feeling is very ephemeral and then it leaves and then I'm back to being like, gravity goes up, right? <laughs> so. I think my story might not be as inspiring. Like since I was a little kid, my parents told me I should do engineering. Uh, They're immigrants from Iran. I'm with you. Yeah, they're immigrants from Iran. They're like, we came to this country. You're going to do something that's practical and that, like, we didn't sacrifice all the stuff to come here for you to study anything other than that. And then once you do engineering, then you can go pursue whatever else you want to do. Just have that degree in your pocket. Totally relate. And so as a kid, I was always very resistant to engineering. Even though it was always around me, I didn't realize, like, my dad was, like, that was his passion. Like, he would buy old computers and fix them up or, like, um, buy different parts and put them together to build his ideal machines. And I would always be there for that, but I didn't like see that as engineering. I just thought of it as this thing that my parents wanted me to do, so I should just avoid it. Um, and so I always thought I'd go into like law or like politics, and those are definitely things that I want to pursue in the future. But now I think I think what really changed was in high school. My I like mentioned once to my parents that like the robotics team was going to meet like freshman year. I don't know why I like mentioned this to them, and they were like, "Go!" <laughs> and so go. I went to like the first like robotics meeting my freshman year they were like trying to put a team together we had like a little bit of funding to go compete in first robotics which is i don't know if you're aware of that but it's a yeah. organization in the u.s that uh, does robotics programs will i am is here oh yeah well i am yeah yeah the founder of first robotics yeah I think, is at this he actually yeah. spoke at the summit two years ago and it was one of like the best experiences of my life but anyway um so i went to this like first first robotics meeting and then we like kind of got into throes of like building our robot and like at first i was like super intimidated because all the guys in the team like I felt like they knew what they were doing even though they were also high school freshmen like they really probably didn't know any more than I did yeah um so I kind of just like yeah pushed my way into them and started like oh, I don't know good for you yeah sort of like soldering things <laughs> I don't know good. yeah and then we went sometimes that intimidation can make you kind of hang back yeah and be in the background I think that's always like pushed me it's I've always been like I I can do the thing and so them being like you can't made me want to do it and then that somehow inadvertently made me be like oh, I actually can do this thing and I actually enjoy doing it. Oh, and this is engineering, I guess. So maybe my parents were right, but I can't let them know that. Um, so then we went to our first, uh, first robot. So, so that was all you 
pursuing a genuine interest, not fueled by your parents. At that point, yeah, but I don't I don't want to admit that to myself. Oh, okay. I think I've always <laughs> liked building things. I've always also been very creative. My parents always put me into like art and music classes growing up. Not as like some like it was never pushed on me as something like, oh, this is gonna be your career, but it was always like, oh, like these are things that you should definitely do and you have the opportunity to do right, them. To be a well rounded person. Yeah, yeah, and there were opportunities that they didn't necessarily have any wrong to do growing mm. up, like playing sports or like taking piano lessons. So they wanted me to have that. Um, and so I'd always enjoyed being very hands-on in whatever I did and I realized like in an engineering related field like you can build things and be very like like I don't have to sit there reading all the time I actually do something with my hands and like not be super fidgety Um, and so then I went to my first competition my freshman year our first robotics competition and it like felt like I was at like a varsity like sports game because like everyone's super into it they have like their team mascots um and it's like all these like very like like-minded people who like like to do this like very specific thing um and it was like cool being in that setting because like i think a lot of times in schools a lot of kids are very disinterested in what they do mm. because it is all like very pushed on us but this felt like everyone was there because they wanted to be there yeah and i think that was when i was like oh like something clicked i was like this is something that i want i want to keep feeling this feeling um, and then and you always naturally good at maths and physics. yeah I was always very good at math not necessarily like sciences I think I was I think maybe science education just wasn't like taught well in a lot of the schools I went to mm-hmm. um, I didn't really like uh, word problems for example which I guess is like what problem solving is <laughs> and I think and I think studying engineering like in the beginning that was really hard for me to get over that hump I think we talked about we've talked about this before as a group of like what engineering teaches you is how to be a good problem solver and like not being scared to like take on something that comes your way and I think that's one of the biggest things I learned going into the field because even when I was applying for college in my senior year of high school I still didn't really understand what engineering was like I was like I want to build something and I guess my and my parents want me to do this field too so hopefully those two things will go hand in hand and then I think starting my engineering education there has been things that I haven't been as happy with in my curriculum, like things when things are a bit more theoretical, but when I've actually been able to like be in a lab and working and like seeing the applications of what I'm doing right there, like when I think what I like about I'm an electrical engineer, I'm like my friends here. Uh, I think what I like about double E is like you can build something right then and there and like actuate it and see it work. Like you have an Arduino and you can like set up like a push button system to make, I don't know, we like made a vending machine in one class or whatever so it's just cool getting to like see things happen in real time so it sounds like your like natural interest and genuine love subject came through in the end yeah I think so I think having your parents tell you to do something makes you a lot more resistant to it yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) okay last but not least okay I'm gonna finish up I guess um so I got into engineering I think by accident um I was never really surrounded by it when I was young. My parents aren't in it. It wasn't a big, like, we didn't have computer science at my high school, didn't have any sort of, we didn't have a robotics club, nothing. Um, And I thought I was going to go into medicine when I was finishing up my high school education and then decided kind of on a whim, I think, to pursue bioengineering instead of just biology because I wanted to stand out on my application for med school or kind of something silly like that. And then I came to college in engineering, and (laughs) I think it was things that I, I don't know, there were majors and there were people that I had never been around before. And then I I think what kept me in engineering was the people in engineering. Um, Why were they like? I think we're, we're, the five of us are particularly really lucky um, at our school and at our environment because we have a pretty 
I don't know. The people who I'm surrounded with, I always feel like are more than just engineers. And we'll probably talk about this again later. But we all have interests. And we're not like pigeonholed into like this. We work in labs and we like math and science, et cetera, et cetera. Like kind of the stereotype is. So I don't know. It made studying more fun. And I liked the group work that we got to do. Whereas a lot of my friends in humanities majors, you know, work more on their own. And I liked to be around people all times of the day. Um, and I like solving problems with people and getting to, you know, see how kind of all our skills combined. So I didn't get into engineering because I wanted to be an engineer. And I don't even think like a lot of us knew what engineering was at all, I had no idea. And I still think that what engineering really is, isn't 100% clear when you're a student, because as much as we get to build things and do really hands-on work, I feel like at school we're still doing, we're like getting the foundations, et cetera, et cetera. And we kind of, or at least in the beginning, I saw engineering as, or aerospace engineers, like they build an airplane. But really, they're building a part of an airplane that's going to fit into this bigger system. And you need an engineer to build each part. Then you need someone to combine it all together. Then you need people to sell it and do this and do that. And it's so much different than when we kind of look at things as a big whole now when you're an engineer, you're looking at a smaller part of that big hole. So I think it took me a really long time to realize that. And mm-hmm. I think I struggled with it because I wanted to do the whole once I got into mechanical out of bioengineering. Especially yeah. if you're medical. coming from an angle of, you know, I might do medicine mm-hmm. where you would be the whole solution to, yeah. to a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now you're just one in probably a team of anywhere from 20 to 100 or so people depending on what you're doing. Um, And I think in mechanical and electrical, which are both kind of more hardware-focused fields, that's what people want to do. Or at least coming into college, what they want to do. They want to build the whole system. And we have, you know, like a capstone project where we're building a whole thing. Everything that is going to get completed is done by each of us. And we get to participate in every single part of it. And that's not the same when you leave school. And I think for me, that's been kind of a big realization that I've had to make that I'll just doing a little part and sure you get to see that impact but maybe not as much as we're told or we're kind of fantasize about that whole big illusion like what you were talking about before it's the same thing but yeah I got into engineering by accident and I will never regret it mm-hmm. even if my career takes me somewhere else which so it probably will what's happening with the biomedical um <laughs> it's not really something on my radar anymore <laughs> I um who knows, I think, maybe one day. Maybe, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's totally possible right now. I think um, in a, maybe outside of the U.S. as well, but I think in the U.S. when you're really good at science they tell you, or you like it, they tell you, oh, be a doctor. You'll make money. You'll you know get a good education. Like That's what makes sense for you. And I think I was told that a lot of my like youth, that like, oh, you like science. Well, you should be a doctor. And so I kind of just thought that's what I wanted, even though that's just kind of, where people push you in a way um, when you're good at something. I guess we talked about this kind of before too. But um, so I had this big illusion that that's what I wanted to do and then quickly realized that's not really me and that's not really what I want anymore. Um, And med devices is obviously, or any sort of engineering related to the healthcare field is really different than being a doctor. So maybe it will push me back there. But right now, it's not so much on my radar anymore. And I think that's the beauty of careers and studying and even just the field of engineering. It's Mm -hmm. so 
malleable and mm-hmm. adaptable and yeah. agile. And, you know, one thing's for sure, amongst this group, there is a genuine interest in what you're doing. Like, it sounds like you guys are following your heart, and that's really what We're engineering yeah. needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're all saying things that are, like, supporting each other anyway, um, so it's kind of like one voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I like that. The voice. Yeah. You yeah. I think we share a lot of the same values yeah. when it comes to like what we want to pursue. Mm-hmm. We do spend a lot of time together. We're similarish. You mentioned actually like how lucky you are yeah. to have found this group of people. Oh, I yeah. honestly couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it is amazing to see you guys work together because you're so compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about? Like, was yeah. it pure chance or? So two of us were roommates freshman year and we were both, mm-hmm. we've been engineers since the beginning mm-hmm. and we saw this opportunity two years ago. We got an email saying there's going to be this Grand Challenges Summit in Washington, D.C. Uh, <laughs> the school will fund you guys to go. And we were like, free trip to D.C., <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so uh, she I and... Like motivation. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it seemed... Yeah, but yeah, free trip to D.C. So we <laughs> decided to go, and it was really a really cool conference. We got to see really awesome people speak, like the guy who found the first robotics for me. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, There's like the chief medical officer of the U.K., and at that time, I was also biomedical engineering. <laughs> so yeah. it was just these people who make huge decisions for the world like these people and i think that's something i've always wanted to do is like have that sort of influence and you see these people like that are so passionate about these big grand challenges in engineering and they're actually doing something about it yeah which was really cool and it was cool because they're tying in like interdisciplinary concepts into this engineering conference they talked a lot about policy back then about Mm -hmm. how important it is for engineers to like branch out and be in all spheres of Mm -hmm. public society which is something that we all talk about a lot too and i was really like amazed by that because i think Mm -hmm. being an engineering school a lot of times you feel very siloed maybe Mm -hmm. not necessarily our engineering program but just in general in the field. That's such an interesting point because a lot of people think that medicine is really like saving the world and going into those kinds of fields means that you're making a massive change mm-hmm. to humanity and no one realizes the impact that engineers have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think we talk about being a doctor is almost like a one-on-one situation mm-hmm. and you feel the impact that you have on someone's life so like clearly. Right. But engineering it's like mm-hmm. you can make an impact on millions. Mm-hmm. Billions, but you don't necessarily interact with them or engage yeah. with them all the time. Mm. But it, it just kind of depends on yeah. what what makes you happy, what makes you like thrive. Is it that one on one connection, or is it maybe like possibly having that impact on a lot of people and maybe just not seeing it so yeah. clearly? What kind of examples blew you away with like, oh my gosh, engineering can have such a massive impact? Good question. I going back to the first. And by one, the way, feel free to all jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, specifically at the conference or in general. Just in general, in like, general. if someone's going, yeah, but I still don't know what engineering is, like, yeah. what would be those examples where you're yeah. like, whoa? Because I feel like engineering, you're just creating the tools to solve problems, like, uh-huh. whether that be a physical tool or, like, a software tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you, I mean, you can be an engineer who just, like, makes something, but you don't care about the application of it. But I think we're all engineers who are, like, very, like, con- conscientious. conscientious. Yeah, yeah. The VMware example is kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, it is kind of cool. Um, what the... One of the co-founders, I think, of VMware spoke at the conference yesterday morning in like a talk about how AI is gonna change the the workforce. And then I went to go do a homework assignment, like probably two hours later, and used VMware to access like my school's virtual desktop to like do a problem. So it's kind of funny because we had just heard her speak, and then I was using what she had created to do something. I don't know. Our school's what 
couple thousand miles away from here and I could just be there on the through the internet instead of actually having to be physically there and get to access all those resources and that's not just me who does that that's people all around the world all the time And I think that's one of the really cool things about technology is, like you said, just that it makes the world so much smaller and it makes your opportunities so much greater. Um, So like you said, even though we're like thousands of miles away from where we go to school, you are literally able to access your desktop Mm -hmm. back at school. Like that's that enabling ability of technology. Or for the project that we did together, we interviewed people from around the world. We spoke to researchers like in Norway and we Mm -hmm. were easily able to do that, make the connection on LinkedIn and then video chat with them. Uh So you have these incredible like information sources that, you know, are scattered around the world and suddenly like the world is so much smaller, they're so much more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. But going back to like how we all came together. uh, So we went to that conference and we're like, and they talked about the summit that would be two years later in Mm -hmm. London, the one we're at now. And we were like, we really want to be there somehow. And not just before the conference, but yeah. also to go to London. Yeah, also to go to <laughs> we, London. Neither of us had ever been. We're like, we'd love to go. <laughs> and so we had a friend who competed in DC in the student competition that was a part of that conference. And we were like, oh, we could put a team together, come up with an idea within these next two years, and then somehow end up in London in 2019. These ideas went from like, of platform for women to meet mentors in STEM. Yeah, that was like our first. Like we were coming up with ideas idea. for two years straight. Like yeah. what could we do? Like what do we like? Like wherever we were, like we could be like at dinner and then like one of us would, like something would hit our brain, like, like we text each other under the table, like, oh my gosh, this could be our London idea. <laughs> uh, and then I guess, can we say where we worked or how does that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I was at a NASA Jet Propulsion Lab two summers ago. Wow. Um, and uh, my, do we say our same name? Celeste was yeah. also working nearby um, yeah. at another uh, engineering construction company. And yeah. so we would get lunch every week. Yeah. And I, I, my project there was on drones, like on things that fly. And my team there is like joke, a running joke was that like, what if we were working on submarines instead? Like, we're like, this would be easier if these were submarines. <laughs> and then I was talking to Celeste, and I was like, what if we, like, did something related to submarines yeah. or, like, underwater robotics for yeah. our project? And then uh, there was, like, a presentation that I saw that, like, mentioned Europa, which is one of Jupiter's icy moons. And I was thinking about how difficult it would be, like, if you had a lander that landed there to actually, like, go into the water that's on Europa and then somehow, like, communicate that information of what they saw back to Earth. And we were talking about that and brainstorming and... Uh, and Marlink was more. Marlink yeah. was more. <laughs> Sorry. That but then, like, even from the idea, we were like, okay, well, who are we going to have join us, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, we're living in a house, the two of us, um, with four others, two other engineers. And we're yeah. like, hmm, yeah. this might be good just to bring them on the team. Like, we actually why not? had asked other people to join us, and they said no. Yeah. Yeah. Who? The other two boys. were boys. Yeah. So I'm glad they <laughs> said no. Um, and then we're like, wait, how, like, what are the chances that, like, Sophia and Sienna would say yes. Yeah. And then we were like trying to think of the right way to ask them. Um, and then I was having dinner with Maria and I like told her about this idea and she's like, wait, can I do it? <laughs> and then somehow Maria came home with us that night and then we saw you two and we were like, uh, so project. We just sat idea. together in the living room of our tiny House. like shack. <laughs> we did live in a shack. We literally we lived, lived in a shack. shack yeah. um, and we're all together <laughs> in this tiny living room, like squeezed together on the couches, like, yeah, let's make this project. And then from there, it kind of just, like, tumbled, and we just kind of came up with something. We iterated. 
We were chosen yeah. as the team from our school to represent our school, and I mean that's a big deal. Went from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was I mean, cool. A lot of us are pretty involved in the like bigger, greater engineering community at our school, mm-hmm. which I think made a really big difference for us those first couple months when we between like them creating the team and then us being chosen to come here because it, we did a lot of like preliminary pitch competitions yeah. and had a lot of mentoring with our university that I think completely changed the project how comfortable we were speaking how how we just like knowing about the entrepreneurship space kind of and how we could get to where we wanted to go which made I think a world of a difference now because we have an idea that's pretty well thought out um and if we had the funding we think that it could be a real thing um so I think that was honestly what the push that we needed the fact that we had people who are willing to help us and teach us because at the beginning I didn't know a lot about what entrepreneurship entailed and what innovation really meant and our idea through talking to through doing like customer discovery talking to these people that we're talking about in Norway and all around the world was when we realized what the real problem was which Mm -hmm. we had thought was I think slightly different in the beginning and without customer discovery without those people talking to those people without us talking Mm -hmm. to those people We would have never known anything. Our product would have been entirely different. Different. Came an entirely different, different application at this point, mm-hmm. um, which is which is fun. So it's yeah. come a long way in two years. One Less than two, two years. years. About yeah. a year now. The idea is like, it's so shifted. And, and it's is crazy it, has that. it become more real? Yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. Become, yes. More it's become more real, and it's become more practical. More, more feasible, there's more applications yeah. than what we we because I mean Roxy. Yeah, Roxy was talking about Europa at first, and we were like, oh, how are we going to communicate with Jupiter's moon? And now we don't even think about Europa as much with our product anymore. It's completely an Earth-focused. I also that, All I the applications think, are focused on Earth. Yeah. I think, like, the thing was we were thinking about underwater communication in Europa and then realized that mm, aspect, yes. underwater communication, is just a, as big of a problem on Earth as it is on Jupiter's yeah. moon. And so then, you know, slowly kind of we were aware of this this kind of abstract far away problem and we started to get down to but what is the real problem and actually that's something that hasn't been solved here either um and so we were able to really pinpoint and bring down that problem i think also for me like it all seemed like not fun and games but like oh we're just coming up with this idea like we're making this pitch like we're just trying to get to london right like we're just trying to get to this competition like we're just five gals like hanging out like doing this thing whatever but then when we were at the pitch competition where we ended up getting second place there was a vc like an investor judge who was a hardware investor who came up to us at the end and was like you need to patent this right now like people will invest in you like this is a big thing and that's when I was like, oh, yeah. wow, like, we did something real. Like, this is a real thing yeah. that could possibly, you know, go to market and, like, impact people. And that's when I found out that, like, the five of us, like, working together doing this thing, we actually did something. Like, it wasn't just, you know, something silly. And I think sometimes, like, I don't know, like, as five, a good all-girl team, like, we get recognition for being an all-girl team, whatever. But, like, that's not it. Like, we made a real yeah. thing. And I think yeah, each of us brings so many different facets to this project yeah I mean I must say like listening to all of you um, I can really hear the creative path that this project has taken and it's I mean you're striking such an amazing balance between it being very logical and rational but also like imaginative Mm -hmm. Um, very much so so like engineering is not 
kind of binary. It's not no. kind of... I think a lot of our a lot of our struggles with engineering um, have more to do with like the systems and institutions in which engineering currently lies. I guess functions. Yeah. Yeah. So, for example, like universities, like straight up the educational system, like how engineering is taught, and then how engineering careers are labeled as engineering careers versus other pathways that you can take. So, like stripped down at its core, engineering is really special to all of us and all of us I think at this point can definitely Mm -hmm. consider ourselves engineers Mm -hmm. um but in society I hate like talking about society (laughs) (laughs) society (laughs) (laughs) why did you say that with a British accent (laughs) 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 sorry we don't mean to disrespect where we are (laughs) you know what I think you really hit on something very profound because you know as you know I lived in your city for a number of years Mm -hmm. and I loved the openness of LA like Mm -hmm. anything went you know Mm -hmm. if you had an idea if you if you had an engineering background but you wanted to be on television that was cool and not that I'm dissing my home country but there is a lot more tradition going on Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot more kind of um, protocol Mm-hmm. And I think that can be very stifling to yeah. the creativity within engineering. So it's so refreshing to be amongst women who are like, yeah, we just came up with an idea that just became real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't know how that happened. We just wanted yeah. to come to London. Yeah. So. And we weren't natural geniuses that knew how the technology would work. Like we weren't. Yeah, we weren't experts on this yeah. technology at all. We learned so much through this process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of the success but. of our proof of concept or the technology behind it is the fact that we weren't afraid to ask questions and yeah. reach mm-hmm. out to a variety of people at our university. We weren't afraid to be like, mm-hmm. we don't know what we're doing, but we have this fledgling idea and we think it has hope. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little unfortunate that the barrier of entry to engineering seems so high when I think we all know that it's like one of the most accessible and democratic fields you can enter. It's like just making things really. Well, there was just the 13 year old girl (laughs) that spoke at this conference and she was just like, I found a problem like Flint, Michigan in the US like doesn't have clean water and there's lead in the water literally poisoning people. And I decided that I would make this thing that can sense lead in the water. And she made it out of an Arduino, which is like $20 and some wires. And she built something that didn't exist before and was cheap and sustainable. And worked. And, and worked. And it was literally a solution to a problem. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, like, seeing at this conference as well, like, people that just identify a problem in their life and they just solve it. Like, someone else that, mm-hmm. you know, she needed to keep the chicks warm in her, like, poultry farm um, in Africa. And she was just like, I'm going to build something that does this. And that's but we what do that every is. day. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, people do that every day. You yeah. don't need to be in engineering school or be exposed to engineering at a young age to be doing what engineering yeah, is. Right. To solve and I problems. think people, you know, think you need to be in a lab with a laser cutter and a 3D printer to be doing engineering. Right. But really, really, you do it at math. Yeah, and no. Physics. Yeah, right. it's like, no. no, engineers are tinkerers. Like, yeah. We just yeah. have computers to do a lot now. <laughs> I think that's like the yeah. thing. Like, it's about not being scared to take on the problem and oh, just yeah. like what. I think Maria was talking about this before, of like now she's not scared to like fix her TV when it doesn't work. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, yeah. I think, well, we, I don't know if you guys, exper- I know you guys experience this. Mm-hmm. Whenever you tell someone that's not an engineering that you're an engineering student, the first thing they say is always like, wow, you're so smart. Yeah, I could never do that. I hate math. And that makes me so <laughs> sad to my core because it's really so accessible. And like Roxy was mentioning, ultimately, like the biggest 
thing that strings us all together is not our physics skill. I don't share that with a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) Not our math skill, not our enjoyment of being in dark corners coding. Like, I don't, all these stereotypes. It's, It's what we were talking about yesterday where it's like we all through the trials and tribulations of an engineering education have gained this newfound courage to just take on these problems. I mean, I think that's where some people are more naturals. That 13-year-old girl, unlike me at least at that age, she wasn't scared to solve the problem immediately mm-hmm. and approach it immediately. So it's almost this like self-belief mm-hmm. that you can, you are the person that can solve this problem, mm-hmm. and it's not because of some inherent genius or idea from a power above. It's mm-hmm. it's all within you. But um, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's it's just it's a little sad that we feel like we need to gain so much credibility. And I think that is a, a girl thing, too. Yeah. Like, on top of that, um, we think as women, you need to have all this extra credibility to solve problems. But really, like, you right now, we could leave and do something on an Arduino Raspberry Pi mm-hmm. and solve a small problem. You don't need credibility. You just need confidence. Yeah, yeah. really. And isn't that a theme with women in all fields at this point? It's just yeah. like, just believe in yourself. Please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's such a problem for women. And I don't know where that comes from. Like, as engineers, have you experienced that kind of, like, boy-girl thing where you're like, okay. ah, I don't know if I can assert myself right now. Mm-hmm. I oh, think absolutely. everybody does in engineering. That was... A little bit, at least. Yeah. Especially in the beginning, I think. Especially, like, going into an engineering yeah. school and, like, uh, maybe coming from, like, a less technical background and feeling like everyone around you, like, knows what they're doing all the time. Oh, yeah. And I really think that, I think, is so part of why I was, like, I'm not one of those boys. I'm not one of those boys who can be a mechanical engineer. I'm not one of those yeah. people that grew up doing all that. And I think it's because, and you mentioned something that I really resonated with me before, um, I, I wasn't an engineering in program engineering program in high school, and I just remember all the time, like, the boys would always know how to use this machine or like they would always know like oh you need like a center axis if you're going to machine that big of a piece of like like acrylic or something um and that's and I always remember remember just thinking like they know so much more like oh there's just so much more nationally talented at this than me um and that's not the case like we all came in at the exact same skill level but they just happened to learn that a tiny bit before me and that just always made it seem like oh the guys just have this innate knowledge for how to use all these machines. I guess machines. they have the confidence, and right? And exactly that. The it's this They're not blind scared, confidence. But we're scared of making mistakes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the, once the that clicked for me, I understood. The stereotypes support that. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, yeah, of course the boy would naturally think that. And it's like, yeah. no, hang on, we, we would have got there, yeah. but just in our way, yeah. but it's not necessarily right. a worse way. And I think uh-huh. it also starts at a young age where, like, you know, if you're, like, a 10-year-old boy, maybe you're father or mother would like take you out and be like oh you're the person that's supposed to learn about how to fix the car you're the person that's going to go do this tinkering and like I'm lucky because I have we're a family of three girls and my father is a tinkerer and he always brought us into his tinkering and his shop and all that stuff but I think like boys are just usually the ones that people grab and say oh learn how to do this and girls maybe not and it's hard because then it gives that innate advantage almost or like confidence and like some ability going into school that creates this gap that you really need to close Mm -hmm. um and I think we need to change that and like have everyone should be a tinkerer like everyone should learn how to fix the car like that's skill that you need in your life like why not should be not afraid to fail yeah Yeah. Yeah. there's not enough time spent on just allowing someone to make a mistake Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I think that's that really holds people back yeah Yeah. when we were talking about this at the conference as well about like 
the increase in technology in our world, like we all need to be able to adapt and shift to change. And like the world is unpredictable in so many ways now. And I think that having an engineering skill set is so important and being able to talk these change, like these challenges that exist in our society, whether it's like technology or like politics and all these other things, like we need to be able to adapt and make mistakes and have confidence in our abilities. And like everyone has to be able to do that no matter how old they are or what gender they are or anything really. It's really an identity thing in the end. Um, in the past few years, people have more and more have started talking about this idea of the narrative that you string about yourself mm. and how what the story you tell about yourself is the one you start to believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's why it makes me sad when people say they're bad at math. Mm. Like they almost, it's they're not observing a reality. They're almost stating an identity. Like they're mm-hmm. identifying with being bad at math. Mm-hmm. That's why I refuse to say I'm a bad dancer. I know I am. <laughs> but I feel like if I just say I'm a bad dancer, I'm never going to be a good dancer. And I want to be a good dancer. And I don't know why we can't do the same thing with, like, harder disciplines. But what, is, what does good dancing look like, anyway? Um, it's like the opposite of what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I'm the honest, standard, I think right? I don't know. Yeah, but it also, it's like, question. it's like the interest that you're pushed into young. Like, engineering is kind of seen like cars and planes mm-hmm, and all these right. things. And kind of what you are talking about before, like, boys are just given them. They're given toy right. cars and we're given this. And it's it's like, well, if you don't think that you're... I think a lot of us kind of have a struggle with this. Like, I'm not interested in, in aerospace. I would never work in... I don't want to work in the aerospace industry. And I think that's scary because it's like, well... What else do engineers do? Mm-hmm. And they actually do a bazillion and one other things, but it's just not the stereotype. So you're you don't like cars, you're like, oh, but I don't like engineering then. Yeah. But really, but, engineering is in probably almost everything else, whether it's like fashion or, you know, everything. Yeah. I mean, I would like to say the point that I played with Barbies growing up. And yeah. I think the storytelling that like comes with like playing with dolls is like a big part of something I can go into like engineering as well. Because I think mm-hmm. you need to have a story around like what you're building and why you're building it to like motivate you. Yeah. And I think even like playing with like toys that aren't like cars or airplanes mm-hmm. and whatnot, it's like you kind of have to sometimes be even more creative and like build a house for your toys, for example. <laughs> like that's, yeah. there's like building and engineering in that too. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think we like marginalize that for girls a lot of the yeah. time well they're not told to think it's like engineering, yeah right yeah. even though it probably my mom my mom always says that she had a cardboard box when she was a kid that she turned into a party like a i did house, that too yeah. right and that's yeah. what you said it's building but she would have never been like yeah that's engineering on a really tiny child scale you know yeah. i think something you touched on sophia is like really cool about like identifying what engineering is and like yeah. changing the conversation about not even just like who looks like an engineer, but also like the fields that engineering encompasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right. Every single product that we have, like an engineer touch. Everything we touch, yeah. Literally yeah. everything, that's physical. Um, pretty much everything's electrical these days. Right. Everything's mechanical. And like so, everything is more and more like online and programmed. Yeah. And, yeah. Even yeah. things that are very simple products, like all of that was manufactured mm-hmm. somewhere. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that paper clip was made somewhere, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the pencil spring. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like it is sad that we have stereotypical engineers and stereotypical engineering interests because yeah. we have all had the same mm-hmm. conversations of like, it, it's, you know, it's like coming out. It's like, I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't care yeah. about space. Well, like, I remember <laughs> video games as a kid. You know? 
Like, yeah. so many boys have this story of, like, oh, I played video uh, games, and that's why I'm doing computer science. And it's like, I can't really. I played, <laughs> I played Cooking Mama. Yeah. yeah. Wait, I used to I play love on Cooking the Zoo Mama. One. Yeah, Zoo Tycoon yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah, I used to play Zoo Tycoon 2. One. But I would have never have said, I play video games, I'm going to be Yeah. Yeah. Which is sad. But maybe I could have. Who knows? No, exactly. But it's sad because, like, makeup is such a huge engineering field. But chemical, yeah. that's all chemical engineering. Yeah. yeah. Actually, oh, I love this fun fact because um, the, the <laughs> co-founder of Cisco was a brilliant woman, later would found Urban Decay. Really? So yes. Yeah. It's crazy. But she's someone, you listen to I her, um, I listened to a podcast where she was interviewed, and this was like in the 70s, and she actually, um, her and her husband who founded Cisco together, got really, um, how do you say screwed over in a not? <laughs> I just said it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they got really screwed over by the business people that they brought in. Like, they basically mm-hmm. got ejected from the company, which is unfortunate. But she's someone, when you hear her speaking, um, from the perspective of a woman who was young in the 70s, she really doesn't seem to have those limitations, mm-hmm. like those mental limitations that a yeah. lot of us, um, even in later years would grow up with so it was fascinating I feel like that's where her secret genius comes from is she just didn't have this limitation despite her circumstances and yeah so she got super screwed over got ejected from the company didn't make half as much money as she should have from founding freaking Cisco Mm -hmm. but then she just was like oh this I like these colors and I don't find makeup for me so I'm just gonna do this and I think that's proof that it's not techie, tech, oh, networking, right. uh, mm-hmm. phone networks, whatever. Like, that's not what makes an engineer. It's, oh, there are, our networks aren't connected. I don't know how Cisco works. <laughs> but it's I, even I like there are that. not products for me that I like on the market, so I'm exactly. going to make them myself. I'm right. going to yeah. do them myself. Yeah, I mean, it's one that of the finding most a problem. Yeah. One of the most fascinating engineering stories I had about makeup is, you know, butterfly wings um, are really iridescent, mm-hmm. and it's about the way light is reflected off yes. the landscape of their mm-hmm. wings. Like, on a microscopic scale, mm. it's really complex. <laughs> and so L'Oreal, I think, were coming in and trying to mimic that. Wow. Oh. So they so cool. could stop using yeah. toxic dyes in their makeup. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, so cool. that is an engineering solution. Yeah. Yes. And I just, I love that kind of creativity. But actually, in terms of limitations that you mentioned, like what limitations have you all experienced doing engineering? Well, I wanted to say, I think we've been talking a lot about, oh, we've been told this as a kid, and this and this and this, and it's brought us here. But I think a lot of the limitations are also self-imposed. Like, I don't think all the times I've been scared to be in engineering or have felt like it wasn't right for me have been because I wasn't told that from the time I was two years old. You know, a lot of it's just you, yourself not knowing how to get there. And if you don't, like we've been lucky, a lot of us, we have mentors, we have people around us who we can look up to. And each other, that was cute. Um, Like a lot of people don't have that, they're not as lucky. And you know, boys or girls, if you don't have somebody to guide you, you have three more barriers to figure out how to hurdle yourself, you know, or there's not somebody to help you get over it. In a way. Yeah, we definitely I didn't grow up in that era where um, we were talking about our, we have this amazing professor um, of dynamic systems and controls and mm-hmm. I think she's Russian and she's mm-hmm. super cool she's and so cool. she's amazing and she was telling someone that back in the day mm-hmm. when she was like the lead engineer on a project, people just kept thinking she was a secretary. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't deal with that, no. right? But I will say like we've all talked about how whenever we introduce we meet an older man usually in the industry or even like at the gas station and they're like, oh, what are you studying? You're an Uber driver. What are you studying? And you say, oh, mechanical engineering. 
the shock. Yeah. Like, the true shock on their faces. Oh, my God. I'm so surprised. How could you ever be studying that? That's so difficult. Like, that's so amazing for you. And it's like, thank you. Like, I'm glad that I'm getting some recognition because it is hard and like it's I'm like pushing through and it's tough but also like why are you so shocked and what did you expect from me like that I was studying also, so I think there that's are not... a lot of women in mechanical engineering like they're yeah. we're getting How there we're not that them? are you the entire no no oh, no, no. Our, our school this is the incoming class of freshmen this year at our university is 50 50 <gasps> yeah mm-hmm. not in not, not across every major like yeah. biomedical is definitely a much more female field and yeah. in oh. fields like electrical computer science you really really well computer science has a lot of computer women science actually. Is a lot of but electrical is very okay. few i think yeah. it's a hardware thing where like hardware is scarier mm-hmm. and going but we are not the norm oh yeah yeah, our yeah. university we're oh, really sure. lucky. Yeah, we're yeah. not the norm across the I US, think we're the and best. especially not across the world. Yeah. I think it's the best in the US. Yeah, I don't think any something our university really, really is trying for. It's something yeah. that they like use as a marketing. Like you know, it's something that they're really actively working towards. So in that sense, we are very, very lucky. Yeah. yeah. But then it's um, funny that we still face some of this, even though our university is almost fifty-fifty. Yeah. And then yeah. imagine at schools where it's twenty-eighty or thirty-seventy, right. how much more magnified. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's some systemic barriers that we face mm-hmm. and so a lot of women in engineering face it where they are few and far between so we don't have that but there's some like weird just social yeah. things that we face and just interacting with some of our male peers or yeah. some of our older lab mates mm-hmm. or professors um, or professors like just some, like what sometimes it's condescension sometimes well, it's well, a weird uh, sexual situation yeah. we call it a we have a term mansplaining you guys yeah. use that yeah yeah I've never yeah. really understood what that is. When someone explains something to you that you obviously already know. Yeah, like, like when ah, someone... Which happens like, oh, kind of often. Did you know that the sky is blue because blah, blah, blah? It's like, wait, I have yes. a story. Like I, knew I remember that. you were just made. I literally have a story and it's it's kind of funny. So my um, the summer after my, fr- my first year of university, I was doing research also for um, NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory. But I was doing the research at my university's lab. It was like a weird contractual situation anyways um we go it, it had to do with heating um and so I go and I I what was it wait wait something oh I had to solder something I had to solder something and so I plug in the soldering machine and I wait for it to heat up and it's it's like clearly not heating up I'm testing it on the metal and like testing it on a little sponge thing and I'm like okay it's not heating up so I go to and I was a new member of the lab I like was the first year and I, I go to him and I was like, oh, hey, do we have another soldering machine anywhere? Um, this one's not working. And he's like, did you plug it in? Yeah. Oh. And I was like, yes, yes, I did plug it in. And he's like, Are you at that point thinking, how could you be asking me that question? How could you be asking me that question? Because uh, it was like, it was like as if my first instinct <laughs> when I like acquired the thing and like put it in and like try, I guess tested it out was like to ask some dude in my thing like yeah. obviously I've gone through enough troubleshooting with this very simple heating device <laughs> to this freaking you plug it in and the metal gets hot yeah. you know you'd think that I have been through the troubleshooting process to, to go to him then, like, it's more right. serious than just, oh, silly me, I forgot to plug it in. <laughs> and then, 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 
that men want us to ask them. They want to solve the problem, and I think it's frustrating when, because we're good at troubleshooting. Yeah. You know, surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah. Now the problem is a little bit harder when we come to them. It's not as simple as oh, idiot woman didn't plug in machine, <laughs> and now it's not working. And then the best part, then my the the master student I was working under, he comes in and I was like messing with the guy. I was like, can you believe he didn't think I plugged it in? Like that's why he didn't think it worked. Like the soldering machine clearly doesn't work. And he's like, oh. Did you see if it got hot? <laughs> and I was like, what? Yes, it didn't. It didn't melt the, the, the solder. And he was like, oh, did you touch it? And I was like, no, I don't need to touch it with my hands to see if it gets hot. And then in our apparatus, it also was a heating device. And he's, he would tell me before he left, he said it would get up to like 400 degrees Celsius, something crazy, wow. like super high temperatures. He's like, don't touch it. <laughs> um, to test if it's hot, just put your hand kind of over it. And I was like, I know. I'm not going to touch it. What is up with boys and touching things? Yes, <laughs> they're hot. Yeah, but that's, I've struggled with that so much because as a woman that's very capable and educated, and all that, yeah. you want to show that you're not stupid. Yeah. Yes. And so when guys are mansplaining, I love that word. I'm using it so much now in my relationship. It's like, he's going to go through hell. <laughs> but like, when, when you're being mansplained to, like you want to stand up for yourself and just go I've already thought of that but then you come across as defensive yeah and then they feel like they're not useful or wanted and so you run into this like weird tension that doesn't need to be there and it's all based on insecurity yeah Mm -hmm. they feel insecure because they feel intimidated by by our intelligence Mm -hmm. and I feel insecure because I'm being treated like I'm dumb Mm -hmm. and it's like a mess Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know how to handle it. Even yeah. today, after years and years of trying, I'm like, I don't know how to handle this situation of like being treated like I'm stupid yeah. when I absolutely have done so much in my life to prove otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if you have other a doctorate, like, yeah. and yeah. you're still... I, just, I mean, how do... what? Does anyone have any kind of tips? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it makes it worse too when you actually do something silly. It's yeah. like if yeah. you did, like, God. you know, every once in a while, like, I can't find the on or off switch. Like, something silly yeah. that, like, li- like doesn't matter if you're a girl or a boy, a woman or a man, you do it. Like, you know, you make mistakes, and then you get asked that question and, like, that, like, really, you didn't think to do this, and you're like, oh, actually, I didn't. I yeah. didn't yeah. think to do that, and then all of a sudden, you just, like, it's, like, you just feel horrible. Yeah. And it makes it even worse because then a lot of times you're like, yeah, duh, I know how to do that, and you can know how to do it when you mess them too, but right. people it's make okay mistakes. And boys will just be like, ah, don't worry, like, I'll yeah. show you how, like, a professor or anybody, it's not a problem. And then you always kind of get, like, a look. Like, ah, mm-hmm. I should have known that yeah. you wouldn't be able to. I should have known that I had to show you first. Yeah. And so it makes it a hundred times us, worse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I People know exactly what you're yeah. talking about because I actually now describe myself as, you know, doing really, really dumb things because I think it's because there's such an expectation because, you know, of my title or whatever, everyone's like, oh, she must be really smart. And so if you do forget to just flip the switch on, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, there's a part of my brain that is just so, like, stupid, even though I've got these qualifications. And that, like, divide 
Because I do really dumb things all the time. Everybody does. So I'm does the biggest clots in the world. And Half we, of us are. Yeah, and we see <laughs> those things and we're like, we're dumb, we're dumb. We yeah. see the things that we mess up. And, and I think a lot of other personality types that tend to be male would see all the positive things they're doing. And right. be like, I'm so smart. Like, I'm so smart. That's that was one tiny thing that I did. Yeah, wrong. yeah. Where we're like, cop it. We, I'm like, yeah. Well, it goes back to our identity. We can't, like, every time we should, we, like, almost, like, collect this, like, huge amount of evidence to why we should identify as like incapable or yeah. stupid. Yeah. Why and do the, we do that? I don't know. And the mental chess that goes on when like anything happens, like sometimes people will correct me and I'll have to be like, I know it starts at seven. Like, <laughs> yeah. Does it really it mean that much? Yeah. And then it affects you all of your other relationships. Yeah. Just like this angry defensive person. I think yeah. it's important to give feedback though. I think that's something that yeah. we're scared to do a lot of time as women because we're scared of being seen as like complainers. Mm. And so it's oh, emotional, yeah. Yeah, the emotional, yeah. right? Yeah. Not being able to take criticism, yeah, right. Kind of and I think there's almost this like binary where binary where a lot of the time I feel like women are either put they're put in two baskets of one they're either a bossy bitch or they're <laughs> too mild and meek and don't stand yeah. up for themselves, yeah. which I think is really frustrating because there's so much that exists in between. And I think I often feel like oh gosh, like I just asserted myself too much. I'm being too bossy, but yeah. if I don't say anything, I'm being too mild. And it right. and it's it shouldn't be like that. You don't need yeah. to be one or the other. You can just be expressing yourself in the way that you want to. That's why I think mm. we need to just like if some if a guy says something that bothers us, we need to let them know that that does because oftentimes they don't know. Yeah. Or they don't realize yeah. like the it's magnitude of what they're saying. Like I've definitely like had situations where I've had to like tell a male like lab partner or colleague like hey that is not okay. Yeah. 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 But you kind of have to deliver it with kindness. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, yeah. that can well, be really hard if your intelligence is being. If you feel attacked, diminished. Diminished. Yeah. Right, right. I will say humor is a great way to mitigate that. Where the whole soldering situation, it was really funny, <laughs> and I would, I just clowned them forever. Like I never, I always, and I made it seem like you're so dumb that you thought I didn't yeah. plug it in, but I made it a joke, and I don't know. I felt like I came out on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really good way to go, but there are just some days where you're not feeling funny, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or when someone, it's it's worse than they call you a fool. I'm not even joking, my lab, uh, <laughs> my, my principal investigator in my lab, we didn't know what a, a lug nut was, like some, uh, some little thing. And then he was like, fools. <laughs> he said, fools. He, I don't know why he said it like that. And I was like, just so, I was like put to silence. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's like really disarming where you're like and then you're like what's going through your mind is just like this whole questioning like yeah. finding evidence from the yeah, past few months of like how you might be a fool or whatever. Yeah. but I think what we're Shocking. talking about is kind of imposter syndrome oh definitely yeah. yeah you know where you're you're in this situation I think you mentioned it at some point where you were saying that yeah the whole I don't like cars yeah. I don't like aerospace <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of yeah, that feeds into the imposter yeah, syndrome. Easy, and it's sure. such a shame because engineering breaks new ground. It's like new territory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of you are doing a project that has never been done before. That's the magic of mm-hmm. it. And from this conversation, I'm realizing that it's all about confidence. Yeah. Like, and yeah. Even with the terminology, like I feel yeah. like if you grow up liking cars, you know what an axle is and you know how tires work. I don't know. I, like I, if you showed it to me, and you would know. I would know. I've been through three, more than three years of an engineering education. Yeah. All of us yeah. would be able to figure it out within a couple minutes. It's not, it's not right. impossible. Right. But because I don't 
know the word, it's like, oh, you don't even know it all. But if you just took took a second to show me a photo or show me what that does, like I can figure it out. But because I don't know the word, it's like, that then, then I don't know anything at all. Our CAD class? Oh my God, so much. So much. Like, I no one ever told me what a bearing was. Like, I or didn't know. Or a hex nut. And like, there's all these things like, you know, you download the file from McMaster car and it has all these fasteners. I was never taught this in any class yeah. and I was expected to know it and all of the guys in the class knew because they had like been taught about cars and stuff. A lot of them they knew. But that's something I think is so important is you think you think all of these knew. other people know but it's those yeah. four voices that it's are like male really yeah. It's not but our professor, so important to understand. But our yeah. professor was know. honestly condescending about yeah, it. Yeah, When you asked questions about it. And it was like, I'm sorry, like, it's your responsibility to teach me. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that you didn't teach me. But even though, <laughs> like, this if you was. give me a minute to Google it, like, I will yeah. get to where your right. understanding is. I just yeah. need to actually learn it. I don't know it. Yeah, yeah. and you're not beyond yeah. capable of just no. quickly learning something. A bearing is like a, you know, a tiny little piece. We yeah, can figure it out. It's yeah. not. It's not. I hate it when people use that as evidence. Go, yeah. nah, see, you didn't know. Yeah. And it's like. All I have to do is just Google. Yeah, it's yeah. Really yeah. I have yeah. so much of engineering. Yeah. Yeah. You know. right. Also, the there's a issue where there's some universities, including ours, that are trying to change the face of engineering, mm-hmm. but some of the culture still hasn't changed. Where like male interests are still valued over mm-hmm. female interests and expected over female interests to make it into a binary. Obviously, we know it's not so black and white, mm-hmm. but like. I don't think I should be burdened uh, in class by the fact that outside of class I read a lot more politics and philosophy yeah. and, mm-hmm. and art articles and videos than some of maybe the more tech news articles yeah. that I guess I should be consuming. But also, I, I totally understand what you mean, and I find I'm massively general, generalizing here, but women tend to be interested in things that are nurturing. Mm-hmm. and you know do good and are humane and <clears throat> men tend to go for projects that are money making and mm-hmm. big structures and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that doesn't necessarily excite me mm-hmm. like i want to know about technology that's helping the world right yeah you know and it, it's it's not even an art versus yeah. or politics versus engineering thing it's actually just you know, I'm I am so deeply fascinated by technology that improves people's lives and mm-hmm. because when I see suffering in the world I'm like can't engineering just solve that? Mm-hmm. And I find that all of our media is dominated by I don't know, just very toxic ambitions. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think we've learned Sienna and I have learned a lot that a lot of solving those problems in places um where there are there is real suffering every single day it's like the engineering can't doesn't work without the politics also following exactly. right. and if you yeah. don't read those articles yeah. and you don't know you're yeah. never going to be able to get the traction or the you know yeah. you need governments to buy your product and endorse your product and right. if they're not approving it you're not going to be able to use it mm-hmm. so if you're not yeah. reading that you're going to have yeah. to learn it if you you're want to picture. solve it. Yeah. Do you solve world problems without engaging with the world around you? Right. You don't. Yeah, yeah, you don't. That's why I have a, a bit of a problem with just like super intense curriculums where we don't leave the house or we don't leave our mm-hmm. study groups and we're always either all day in class or all day studying, drilling these problems. And like we all agreed, it's like, sure, the fundamentals are important, mm-hmm. but then it's it's about that hands-on. It's about identifying problems and then solving them mm-hmm. if we're in such a silo. 
um, like how are we supposed to solve such wide-reaching problems? Yeah. And they can't all be these like big, oh, we need to make this faster, better, stronger, make more money. Like there's so many important world problems that are solved with different types of engineering. Yeah, yeah. which kind of is a nice circle back to what brings us all together here at this event because it's about solving mm-hmm. or even just identifying global challenges. Um, one of the things that I have been picking up on in our conversation is the importance of mentorship and you seem to have received mm-hmm. a lot. How has it affected you? And for me it was huge. I, I keep circling back to this kind of like, you know, I had a lot of, I didn't believe in myself as an engineer um, for a lot of my life. Um, but having mentors and like we said it it, for me I think really was almost entirely internal I don't feel like I had people going up to me and being like you should be in marketing because you're a woman (laughs) I had myself saying I can't picture myself doing this thing that I would like so much more Um, but so I think mentorship and just having people even just like a a strong female role model to point to and be like oh like like I could do that, I could be that, that's a path I could follow. But also I think something really important for women to understand is that your mentors don't always have to be women. Mm-hmm. Because I think that can also yeah. kind of close you yeah. off from what opportunities you can have. You can also find very strong advocates mm-hmm. and um, like inspiration in a path taken by a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like mm-hmm. something I think about mentorship. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, my male engineering director who was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you are an engineer. Why are you so dismissive of your skills and your interest? Um, and that was a male figure in my life that absolutely impacted the trajectory of my life. Cool. Yeah. So, last words of advice for any young girls oh. thinking oh, of following oh. in your footsteps? I actually was just talking to someone at one of the mentoring sessions here at the conference and she was giving me the advice of just like keeping your goal so clear to you and I was talking about you know balancing like working for a corporation and like also trying to solve these big grand challenges that we're speaking of and she was like if you just have a goal in mind engineering and technology is the tool to get you there just like keep your morals and your goal like clear to you and what you want and then like all these other things will follow, I feel like. And just, like, sticking to your gut and, like, being confident about the strength that you know you have and, like, the goal that you know you seek. And a lot of the times those goals are, like, societal problems that we want to tackle. And just keeping that, like, so clear to yourself and keeping motivation, even if people are astounded by the fact that you're tackling these problems or whatever and just, like, knowing your value. But I think it's also important to know that you don't need to have a singular goal. Mm, like, yeah. it's really amazing when... <laughs> people know and they have this whole not that you yeah, know by no, all things they have this whole beautiful trajectory that gets them there and they're you know it's kind of clean but it's okay yeah i think something that i i think a lot of us have really had to learn because it was really scary for me my first two even now honestly but especially in my first two to three years of school when i went through probably like five different ideas of what i wanted to do mm-hmm. and i had no idea and i still don't know but it's okay not to know and engineering can get you there mm-hmm. even if it's not what you're going to be doing in 30 years maybe that's like you you're you know <laughs> interact with the field every single day and you had the background to get you where you are now in the first place and i think in engineering education is not just for people who want to be in a lab or people who want to be in big industries. And it can, not knowing what you want to do, just lets you accept more opportunities and lets you be more open to doing that. 
And I think that's something that can scare a lot of engineers because we like answers and we like, (laughs) you know, solutions. But not having that can lead to a lot of other really great things inside and outside of engineering. Especially Mm -hmm. because engineering is not just a bubble anyway. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would say not being scared of, of putting yourself in many different categories. Like, don't put yourself into a box of, like, this is what I am. Like, I'm an engineer. I have to do these things. Like, I think at least through our college experience thus far, there's been so many opportunities that have, like, come our way, such as, like, going to that conference our, like, freshman year that, like, led us eventually here, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, like, it's a matter of, like, even if you're scared of trying something, just putting yourself out there and being like, oh, I'm, like, a little bit interested in this. I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Say yes. Say yes to things. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, yeah, kind of a little bit to echo that. I like the idea of just, because I think we've, we've all, like, had a little bit of, of just being unsure of what we inevitably want to do and that can almost be paralyzing like why does everyone else know what they want to do and I don't know I think one also side note very important thing to recognize is no one knows what they want to do and if they do they're lying to themselves because if you're 20 years old and you know what you want to do until you're 80 that's that's close-minded that's wrong and if you talk to role models and peers and older people um, even you you've done so many cool different things and there's absolutely no way I'm sure that when you were 20 you were like this is what I want to do when I grow up no way. Um, that's really reassuring to see that there's all these different mm-hmm. nodes and they'll connect themselves. You'll be able to look retrospectively and see how all of that connects. Um, and I think something that's important to repeat to myself is even though I'm not positive what I want to do long, long term until I'm old and Great. dying, um, <laughs> is that just like chase the shiny object. Like chase, mm. don't think like, oh, what is it that I want to do? Just chase whatever at the time is the coolest thing for you to do. Mm. The coolest, shiniest, most exciting thing. And that will eventually, if you keep doing what's coolest to you, that's how you're going to get, that's how I hope that I will get to where I want to go. Yeah. Um, hi, young girls interested in engineering. <laughs> <laughs> <was> um, <laughs> I guess my advice uh, goes a little bit back to that conversation about mansplaining and constantly thinking you need to like assert your credibility mm-hmm. is um, part of it is you you have to accept that you really can't control what everyone thinks about you. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with this in many realms. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes some people, no matter how hard you try, are just going to think you're stupid. <laughs> and that's actually believe it or not, okay. We can navigate in a world where people don't like us, think we're dumb, think we're mean, think we're incapable, whatever. Like, heck, we know we feel that way about some people and they're doing fine. And that annoys us a little bit. So it's good almost to think, okay, some people I care about, what they think about me, I'm going to work on those. But uh, for a lot of people, just letting go about how they feel about us and just recognizing that luckily, the beauty of engineering is that your credibility comes from just your actions. Like, do you know what you're talking about? And it's okay to not know. Just learn. Just learn. And do you know what you're doing with it? And have you done something with it? Um, that's so much more important than your grade that you got in your physics uh, exam two years ago, your degree. Um, so viewers or listeners, I am going to leave university without an engineering degree. I'm going to leave it with a writing and storytelling degree um, because I switched after three years of studying engineering. But for some reason, every time I go to one of these conferences, especially this one and being with all my girlfriends here, I leave more and more empowered about my career uh, as an engineer um, because ultimately I'm, I'm realizing more and more like, wow, 
we are so capable of everything we set our minds to and I, I don't need that degree. I know what knowledge gaps I need to fill, but ultimately like it is about believing in yourself and I know that this new degree is going to help me engage with the world in a way that will help me identify the problems that I've always cared about solving. Um, so yeah, just you shouldn't care too much about what that one kid in your lab thinks of you. Let him think that you forgot to plug in the solder. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's wow. Nice. And on that note, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been Thanks an amazing for yeah, Thank you so much for having us. That's it from my STEM guests this week. What an amazing conversation. I, I literally have goosebumps at what was said. And you know, the biggest thing that comes out of this conversation is the fact that engineers are true problem solvers and the most important thing to getting to that solution is confidence and self-belief. Thank you so much for listening this week. Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence. <laughs>